0: Welcome to the Tug Life Podcast. I'm your host, Tug Coker. We're here doing a quick hit on the preview of this week's U.S. Open in golf. I don't know if a lot of you have been up to things during this pandemic. We're phasing out of the pandemic now, but golf was one of the most popular things for people to pick up over the past year, and I was no different. I played a lot of golf growing up, but this is a year I played more golf than in the past 20 years of my life, I mean, definitely since probably high school was the last time I played this much golf. I was in the golf team. Super nerdy, but got into a lot of golf. All my, a lot of my friends were getting into golf over the past year, and I've been watching a lot of golf. I don't know if you guys are out there doing that, but golf's a real passion of mine, so I want to do a quick hit on the U.S. Open. This year, it's at Torrey Pines. Torrey Pines is awesome. It's in San Diego, or technically La Jolla, California. And what's fantastic about it is that it's a public course. Anybody can play it. There are some podcasts out there. I listen to a lot of golf podcasts. A lot of these really good golf podcasts are out here sort of saying that Torrey Pines is not the best course in the world. Not maybe something worthy of showing off the U.S. Open, especially being a course that we see every year at the Farmers in January. And I heard some of their points. I hear, I hear the fact that they wish it was closer to the water. It, it is really beautiful to be on the Tory Pines property. It's sort of La Jolla Cliffs overlooking the water, but you're not so close to the water. And that is a complaint that I've heard some of the podcasts saying as well as uh, uh, the holes being similar, not a lot of variation in the holes. And I, I hear that, but it's a course i played three times. And that's what one thing that I think is so special about Tory Pines is that it's a course that anyone can play. Now, if it's a couple hundred dollars if you don't live in San Diego. If you live in San Diego, it's like $75 to play. It's a no-brainer. I played it twice in 2013, a few years after Tiger won the U.S. Open t- 2008. And I played it in January. I wanted to play it before the U.S. Open this year, but I also wanted to play it before the Farmers Insurance Open in late January. And it was tough. It was very tough. Rough was up. The starter actually told my, my buddy who we were playing with, He said the rough is so high and so thick that if you can't find your ball after about a minute or two, just drop a ball and don't count it as a penalty. It's just very difficult right now. And from the beginning, it was pretty tough. I mean, I think I, I mean, my handicap is a 9.5. I think I shot an 87. Didn't hit the ball very well. But I will say what I think is so special about Torrey Pines is that anyone can play it, and then it's really special to have played a course that you can watch every year on TV. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it to me in playing a course that you watch the, the, the pros play every year. That's Pebble Beach. That is can be uh, the Heritage at Harbortown, uh, which I've also played. There can be Kiwa Island this year, which hosted the PGA. I played that way back in the mid-'90s when I was in high school. And to this day, I think Town. excuse me, Harbor Town was nice. It was actually air rated at the time I played it. But Kiowa Island is the hardest course that I ever played. I played it a few years after they had the Ryder Cup in 1991, and my dad and I played it in like 94, 95, and it, it was not fun. It was not fun. Torrey Pines is more fun. It's more playable. It's you can miss it on the with with the woods uh, off the tee, but when the rough is up, it is very difficult. So, having said that, I hear all the complaints that other podcasts are making about the venue, but I think it has so much history baked into it. I re-watched the 2008 U.S. Open last week with Tiger famously winning the U.S. Open on a torn ACL, beating Rocco Mediate in a playoff and actually playing extra holes, 91 holes. That U.S. Open raised the profile of Torrey Pines to a stratospheric height. I mean, when you think of Tiger Woods and his iconic moments, Tory Pines is maybe number two behind the 97 win at the Masters, but it just it has all these great recipes of, of, of golf uh, bits in, in it. It has a great, a, iconic Dan Hicks call for NBC, expect anything different, great putts. the drama of the 18th hole, the drama of the playoff. Just so much has raised the profile of Torrey Pines, and the fact that you can play it is just second to none. I want it to be like a regular occurrence. I like to play it every January. If I can fork over $250 to play golf, my wife might not like that, but it's something that's really important to me, to keep testing your game against a course that is being played by the best. So, having said that, I have watched the last two majors, and I've played both of those courses, Kiowa Island, and Torrey Pines, and unbelievably impressed with what Phil was able to do, still riding the high, still riding the high of Phil Mickelson winning at P- the PGA last month. Just one of those epic moments in golf. I mean, Phil and Tiger, people have been watching Phil and Tiger for the past 30 years. I, <laughs> I think I was like 11 or 12, my parents and I took, uh, my, and my sisters and I took a trip, trip to Phoenix for like spring break, and I swear that I saw a left-handed Phil Mickelson ting off on the side of the road as he was still playing for Arizona State. But we've been watching these guys make iconic moments in golf for the last 30 years. And yes, with Tiger 97, winning the Grand Slam, uh, winning by 15 strokes at Pebble Beach in 2000, Phil winning in 2004, the weird Monday finish at Baltus Roll in 2005. These guys still have made two of the most indelible moments in golf in the last two years. With Tiger winning in 2019 at the Masters and Phil winning the PGA. They're still getting it done. So anything's anything's possible. And Phil's a big storyline this week because he's never won the U.S. Open. He's been a runner-up, I believe, five times. And that was the fun of watching Phil win last month because we have so much of – Phil's successes and failures baked in to his journey. I mean, we ride or die with Phil because we've, we remember the massive slice for a lefty at Wingfoot. And we remember what happened with the Battle of Payne-Stewart in 99. Just so many moments. Marion against Justin Rose in 2013. Just so many moments where Phil came close, didn't get it done. Now he's in his home town of San Diego trying to Win the Grand Slam? Will he do it? I don't know, but he's really he's just really all zoned in on this uh, new mental approach that he has, plus the coffee. So all these things will it lead to a win. Who knows? But I wanted to speak quickly on my experience at Tory Pines. It's a great course, uh, in my opinion. It is a great walk. It's it covers an amazing amount of terrain. Like this is not just. Uh, back and forth golf I mean you're all over the property everyone makes noise about the 18th hole it's a nice finishing hole par 5 with water in front a lot of risk reward a lot of chances for opportunities for drama which we saw in 2008 with Tiger both the final round and the playoffs Lee Westwood comes to mind was also in the final group with Tiger so a lot of room for drama a couple of holes that I really enjoy everyone thinks of three which is like a long scenic can be long I think uh the amateurs play like one fifty to one sixty. I think it hit nine iron into the par three that drops off uh close to like a, a cliff. And then four is a nice long par four. But there is parts of the of the, the property that kind of aren't as aesthetically pleasing as holes three, four, thirteen, fourteen. I mean 9 and 10 are basically up against what is like the Scripps Institute. It looks like any public course that you see in in America, it's like the chain link fence up up against which I believe is like a research center built in the 70s. It looks almost it looks like it has communist building ties. But um holes that I that I really like are I think 7 where Rocco and Tiger ended their their duel in 2008 is is always so hard. It's always so hard for me. I love the way 6 and 7 sort of shape around a ravine. They're playing 6. As, pick 6 is normally a par 5. They're playing it as a par 4 this week. And then 7 is another dogleg right. I think a really difficult hole. I always struggle with that hole. So 6 and 7 stick out of my mind. Of course, 14. They played 14 up in 2008. Drivable par 4. I'm hearing that they're going to maybe use its full length this week as a over 400-plus par 4. So I like 16. It's a great par 3. For some reason, I think of Brent Snedeker um, and some of his wins, which is interesting about Tory Pines. Everyone thinks of Tory Pines as this, like, big bomber ballpark. Tigers won there a million times. Phil won early before the Reese Jones renovation. But there are a couple instances where non-pomming gougers are winning the farmers. Uh, case in point, being Patrick Reed earlier this year, and Brandon Snedeker, I think, has won twice. So, there are opportunities for non-bombing gougers to win the U.S. Open. So, if I'm out there, I'd love to go out there, go down there and kind of follow some groups. But if I'm not, I'm really watching closely. I like to watch holes 6, 7, 14, I think, is a really cool hole. The 13, the par 5, they're probably making that a 600 yard par five it is downhill than back uphill so i'm really excited to to watch this course i encourage all all of you out there to if you're in san diego or la jolla or wherever the chance to play it fork it over because you can watch it every year for the rest of your life and remember how you play it and compare it to to how the pros are playing it that particular week but on to us open let's do some picks i'm looking on the board now via bovada and I'm I'm fine to aggregate a lot of picks. There's a few people out there that are really scaldingly hot with some of their some of their golf picks. John Rahm is the odds on favorite, and it's not close, frankly. It's John Rahm is a plus a thousand. The next closest, it's <laughs> the frenemies. They're not even really frenemies; they're just pure enemies. Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau are seventeen to one, along with Dustin Johnson, and then Xander Shoffley. Jordan Spieth at uh, plus nineteen hundred or nineteen to one, and we get into Rory at two thousand. Rahm is a such, he's such a no brainer for this course. He's won here before. He's hot. He does have the COVID positive issues that may fire him up. For those of you who don't remember, uh, a couple weeks ago he was up by six strokes at the Memorial, and they pulled him off the course after eighteen and said, "You have to disqualify yourself. You're COVID positive." and Interested to see if that fuels him. He was up by six. He lost one point seven million dollars. So will he use that to find a way to get it done and get his first major at the U.S. Open? If I'm being contrarian, I think everyone's going to pick John Rom to to win. It just seems so perfect. It seems too perfect for John Rom to win this week. So I I can't go that route. I don't want to pick favorites, but it just seems like the course is designed for so. Few people to win, in my opinion, this year, although we could have a Rocco mediate situation. Who will that Rocco mediate be? I'll try to figure that out. Brooks Kepka versus Deschambeau. If I'm going to have to do, if there's a head to head, which I think there is, I'm going to take Deschambeau in this. I don't know if this is bias or whatever, but I just feel like this course is set up for a person who can hit the ball far and is able to use their wedges to get out of some deep rough. And we all know how Bryson plays. Hits the ball as far as he can, has all of his clubs adjusted to six iron length, uses a six iron length wedge to punch out, and he's a good putter. He really is a good putter. So I think if, if I'm picking a favorite amongst the favorites, I'm going to be looking at Bryson DeChambeau. Xander is a hometown game. Everyone's, I think there's just too much pressure on Xander. I think there's just too much pressure. I like Xander a lot. One of my favorite players to watch. It's a home game. He grew up in the San Diego area. His dad is very close. He's his swing coach. You know, everyone knows that the U.S. Open uh, concludes on Father's Day. I just feel like there's too much pressure. I'd love to be wrong. I'll play this for him when he wins, but I just feel like there's too much pressure for Xander to get it done. So I'm not going to pick him. I'll be rooting for him, but I'm not going to pick him. I'm going to go with Jordan Spieth here because I just think he's one of the most mentally tough players on the tour. Did not see that at the Colonial this past week. I'm sorry, a few weeks ago, losing a fourth-round lead at the Colonial to Jason Kokrak, but I just feel like his ability to not hit the driver well but get out of those situations and putt, and putt well on these Poana greens, it's just important. So if if I'm looking for two people, you never can never count on Colin Morgan either, but if I'm looking for two people to come out of the woodwork uh, as the favorites, it's going to be Bryson DeChambeau and Jordan Spieth. I think it's a big dog that's going to win it. Who's out? Who's out? I mean, Phil is forty to one, same as Sadeki Matsuyama. Victor Hovland is twenty six to one, also twenty six to one. Or Victor Hovland, Patrick Reed, Patrick Cantlay, Finau, Justin Thomas is twenty two to one, and everyone. There's a big gap between them and the rest of the field. Who else do I think has a shot out here? I mean, Mark, there's a lot of hubbub for Mark Leishman, and if, for those of you who listen to Joe and I talk about this on the Dirty Sports Podcast for the Masters preview. I gave out Mark Leishman. Wasn't playing great, but he really is. You know, horses for courses, is a saying that we use a lot in the golf world. And he has won at Torrey Pines, so I wouldn't be surprised if Mark Leishman makes some noise at the U.S. Open. I just feel like the value is gone. I think at the U.S. Open he was like ten thousand to one, and now he is six thousand to one. I just feel like the odds are there. I'm gonna go with Gary Higo. <laughs> this is such a, this is such a, this is such a recency bias play here. I don't think he's ever even seen the course, but. I like the fact that he wore giant square sunglasses. And it's the first time I can remember watching a golfer play where I actually looked up this, the guy's sunglasses and I said, what are these things? I've never seen a guy, usually people wear sunglasses and they wear these like giant like Oakleys, like cyclists' sunglasses. Or they put them on the back of their hat like Kevin Streelman does. He go swung in these giant sunglasses <laughs> it was amazing he won last week at Congrey I'm just gonna keep rolling the sunglasses I'm gonna keep rolling with it Here, another reason why I think it's funny he is plus 6,600 I think Vegas really respects him 6,600 I mean that's in the right ra- the ranks of Leishman Justin Rose is 5,500 cokerack 6,600 Paul Casey who always does well in majors it seems like 6,600 great ball strikers Connors Fleetwood and Gary Woodland. This is my, my buddy Ryan Druniak, who I played golf with all through high school. gave me two names. Uh, he loves Spieth, so I'm throwing that on there. Piggybacking that one. He thinks it's it's just crazy that Gary Woodland is 8,000, plus 8,000. So that's who we're looking at. Stewart Sink, is that interesting? Is that interesting to us, Stewart Sink? He's played so well this year. It's a room for another resurgence after winning at Town earlier this year. He's won twice this year. So, Yeah. I do believe Bryson DeChambeau or Jordan Spieth is going to win the U.S. Open this year. That's my opinion. I'll try to have some picks out for you all for sort of just some fun thoughts of some underdogs for later in the week, but um, I do think it's a big dog that's going to win this week. I'd love some drama. Just bring us the drama. That's what we all want. It's, it'll be Father's Day, conclusion, prime time for everyone on the East Coast watching as the U.S. Open concludes here in California, 5 o'clock our time. So, anyway... Two pieces of advice. Play Tory Pines. Come out to California. Invite me. I'll play with you. And two, look to pick Bryson DeChambeau and Jordan Spieth. There's just so much buzz about Bryson DeChambeau, and, and none of it really good. I don't think anyone's rooting for Bryson DeChambeau. And so as a stock picker for sports, I think you kind of swoop in there and see if you can take some, get some value out of that. So we're going with Bryson DeChambeau and Jordan Spieth, Garrick Higo, Stewart Sink as our picks to make some noise in this year's U.S. Open. So... Thanks for tuning in to Tug Life, talking about whatever I want. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Really appreciate you all popping in, and hopefully we'll have some recaps of some sports coming up this weekend. And some more fun stuff. I want to talk about what's going on with the entertainment business and my journey through it. A lot of ups and downs, but I'm happy to share and shine a light on my journey. Hopefully you guys can make some some headways into this business and learn from my mistakes. And who knows what else we're going to talk about, but we're going to have a lot of fun have a lot of great guests, and I hope you stay tuned. So subscribe, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Tug Life with Tug Coker. Best of luck with all your picks this week at Torrey Pines. Have a great week. Enjoy golf, and we'll talk soon. Bye. boom, boom.